Welcome to Cricket Only Better, episode 200. We're 200 not out. I'm Ed Hawkins, but we celebrate in dispassionate style. Apart from to say, this is the Ashes Betting Hub, and over the next 30 minutes or so, we're going to tell you exactly what happens in Lords in the second test. Over to you, Sam Collins. Thanks, Hawkins. Um, I'll raise a glass to show 200, and who better to celebrate it with than five times Ashes winner and England legend Ian Bell. Hello, Ian. Very well, thank you. Thanks for being with us. Uh, This high-performance cult that at least pretends to care about winning um, for the the benefit of the audience. Um, You're here for technical analysis of the players for Game 2 at Lord's, Ian, and for Dressing Room Insight. Um, This man, though, is here purely for betting insight. Richard Mann of SportingLife.com. Hello, Richard. Richard's on mute. That's a great start to show 200. Hello, Sam. Hello. <laughs> we got there in the end. There we go. That's what I like to see. Um, no Paul Krishnamurti this week, devastatingly, who is uh, trading the golf, has his priorities all wrong. But we do have his bets, Hawkins. Um, can you fill us in on what is on the show, please? Yeah, we're going to be talking batting technique of some players in this Ashes series with uh, Ian Bell. We'll try and find an angle on, the, on this second test for some of those. Uh, who has the psychological advantage? And we've got nitty-gritty of trades, stats, trends, players to follow. Lovely stuff. Um, the ultimate betting guide to the second test then. Best bets at the end of the show. A new five-point challenger for you. And as it showed 200, we have three 200-to-1 shots, or slightly bigger than that, I suspect, um, for you. The audience, the lucky audience. Right. Um, Shall we get on with it? I think yeah. uh, maybe. Ian, coming to you, on, on Cricket Only Better... 199, you were confident that England could hit back in this next test. Um, with a week's grace, do you still feel that way? Oh, no, you're, you're right. Actually, having time to just to, to, to digest it, you know, I, I, ability-wise and the way they're going to come out, there's no doubt they have the ability to win the next test match. They're going to come aggressive, aren't they? I think Brendan's already said, and he said in the past when they've lost the game, you know, they didn't go hard enough, they'll go harder again. Um, so talent-wise, no doubt. Then I started thinking, geez, Australia have been here now. They've won the Test Championship against India. They've won the first Test match. And when you win those games, like the last Test match, by fine margins, it could have gone either way. The confidence you have in the dressing room from any situation, even if you know they're three for 50 or you know in that first hour, you know the confidence they will have that they can get through is, is huge. So probably not as much as I thought the last time. But in terms of talent and ability, yeah, they, they have the ability to win the Test match. But Australia have started this summer incredibly well. Okay, um, fantastic. Sets me up nicely to check in with the Betfair Exchange prices. Australia are the favourites at 1.54, the clear favourites. England at 4.2, the draws at 8.2. Going to bring in Richard Mann and Edward Hawkins in a second. But one thing we have no idea about gauging is what it's like to go behind in a test series, Ian. Um, Do players get anxious when they're behind? You know, in, in you know, early on, did you as a batter, do you feel under more pressure? Like, give us some insight from the dressing room in the situation. Um, I suppose that's the skill, isn't it? Now, of the management, Stokesy and and, and Brendan in particular. You know, I, I don't think they'll panic. You know, we've heard that already, haven't we? That they felt like they nearly won the Test match, um, let alone losing it. But the, I think the, yeah, I, I don't think that changes too much. You know, if anything, when you go behind now, actually, it, it actually convinces you more to play more positively and really take it on. The game is now. Out there, sometimes when you've won a game, you feel like actually it's there for you to lose. So, I, I do think that England won't worry too much about that. Like I said, they believe ability-wise and talent that they've got enough to beat Australia. Um, 
but Australia, I thought, were, were incredibly well when they managed the situation well. So I, I think from my point of view, it didn't change too much. You know, uh, different if it was a three-match series or a two-match series, but five matches is a long time, you know, and, and it will, the momentum and it will ebb and flow as, as the series goes on. So uh, I think England will, won't, will, will bin that pretty quickly, that loss, and, and they'll try and come out all guns blazing at Lords. Okay, great use of ebb and flow. Absolutely crucial in discussing Test cricket. Um, Hawkins, can you give us a view on series odds, please? Yeah, I think we've said all along under this McCullum Stokes regime that they're not a team you want to be backing at short odds, England. And if you're going to bet England to win a series, the time is now. I think those odds are, are value. I don't think they're the least bit bothered about going behind. Their chaos theory is um, unrivaled and they're not going to put it in the bin now. Uh, they'll keep playing that way. It was always going to cost them a test, whether that was the way they declared or how they got wrong, things wrong in their um, uh, combinations with the ball at the end of that Australia innings, you're not sure. But they'll put time back into it. They'll be aggressive. Um, I, I still think they've got two, at least two wins in them. So they are valued now, 4.2. They weren't valued first test, pre-first test, but they are now. Okay, um, Ian, I know you're keen on England's approach. I want to ask one question, which is obviously big in the media at the moment, in terms of um, the 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 sort of the you know the the words from the England dressing room that they you know McCullum saying, look, it feels like we won that test. It doesn't matter, you know, we can't go out. It doesn't matter that we lose in a situation like that. As a player, what do you make of that? Do you feel the you know do you do you buy that? Um, look, I think. I think we all, anyone who loves Test Match cricket and the way cricket is with franchise cricket in the world and everything, we want to look after Test Match cricket. So I do enjoy that part of things that we're, they're trying to play a brand that keeps eyes on. We're talking about and then people are talking about Test Match cricket, you know, after that Test Match. So I think that's that's a good start. I think Ashes cricket is about winning and losing, is it? At the end of the day, in 20 years time, they're going to talk about whether we won this series or we, we lost that. So I think there's there's two sides to that. I think... Yeah, and, that, and that's where I probably sit with it, really, at the moment, is you know, I still don't think it's an important series to win. I think the players will enjoy that. I think what Brendan will always do is try and take pressure away from the players and not focus on the fact they lost that. They played a good game, and that's what they have to to, to go in this test match, is the positives that they had out of this. And and again, they, they're not going to change. They're just not going to do that. I think they, they are going to double down on this aggressive approach and uh, expect exactly the same at Lord's. Okay. Um, second test preview coming up in in full in a second. Best bets, five point challenge. Um, some technical and excellence and analysis for me and Bell still to come as well. And there'll be plenty of in play um, advice after every day on betting betfair. But let's go to listener questions now um, for Ian. Um, at Laxmipath on Twitter asks: Is English batting really competent enough to hit their way out of trouble on what seems like a good balanced Lord's pitch? That's the first one for you, Ian. Well, again, I think the pitch will be one thing. The OBA head conditions will be another. I think that's that's that'll be the the massive factor here, as it is in many England grounds. But Lords probably more than any. You know, if it's overcast, humid, you know, the ball can do a hell of a lot. So I think that that's important. I think the important thing with England. Is they're going to play aggressive, but what I thought was impressive with Australia was they've managed the situation to play really well. I think if England can do that a little bit better in this next test, yes, go all aggressive, that's fine. That's the mantra. But there's times when you can also be quite smart, pull it back a little bit, you know, to third gear rather than fifth, and just go through an hour of play, manage the situation right, and then go back to aggressive. And I think that will be the area that they'll try and fine-tune for this test match. Okay, another one for you, um, with your coach's hat on, please. This one from At The Extra Place. 
who asks, how important is better batting compared to increased bowling, fielding, keeping ability? Uh, notably, money ball theory in baseball was that better batting was more important than sound defensive fielding. Well, if we're talking about Bairstow and, and chances, and, and I think that obviously, um, you know, obviously scoring runs is, is vital, and that's the top six job is to do that. Um, you know, I still think from a keeping point of view, I think Bairstow will be better in this test match because of, I think he's had a, a test match at this intensity. He hasn't done it at this intensity for a long time. So I think those chances, I think it was five chances that were dropped or missed. You know, you can't afford to do that against Australia uh, or against any test test side, really. So I think there, there are factors. I think they'll be looking at that. But there's no doubt, I think his batting, his, his match-wing ability with the bat took, got, took into consideration probably over the skill of maybe the, the keeping and, the, uh, and that side of things. So they probably are looking at that. Um, but in Test Match Cricket, it just shows you cannot give, you, you've got to take every chance that comes your way. Otherwise, um, you're fighting up your way. It's hard enough to get 20 wickets anyway in a Test Match, let alone trying to get 25. And I think that's the important thing. I think uh, Australia probably owe Ed Smith a few pints for those drop catches, didn't they? Last few years. Um, right. Um, talking, of, talking of pints, I don't know what you're drinking. What is that pink stuff you're drinking, Sam Collins? Grapefruit juice, I think. Oh, Absolutely. Goodness. Yeah. Can you just ask Richard Mann a question? You've missed one out for him, Rich. Oh, uh, do, I'll, I'll do it for you. Rich, now or never for England? I mean, if they go behind here, are they done? Well, I, I think we need to remember that they don't have the ashes at the moment. So 2 2 is good enough for Australia. So if England lose this test match, and we know that they're not going to try and play for a draw anyway, the 2 0 down. God, they really are backs against the wall then, aren't they? They're going to have to win three on the bounce. That'll be a monumental effort against this Australia side. So they need to play really well this week, don't they? Um, just And the other thing about, I just want to pick up on Ian's point there about Johnny Bester. I think there's a little bit of discontent in the camp for the first time this England camp. We've heard all three senior bowlers, Broad Anderson and Ollie Robinson, all talk about wanting some grass on the pitch at Lords. I mean, James Anderson called the one at H. Baston tonight for him. But we know Stokes wants flat pitches, and then you're picking, you're picking a side which basically has has not your best keeper in there. So you think you're going to struggle to create chances. When you get them, you've got to take them, and that's where Ben Fox would come in. So I think for the first time probably in the last 12 months, a few, not cracks appearing, but a few question marks over England. The bowlers want certain type of surfaces. The batsmen and Stoke, obviously they want different and then obviously the keeper issue as well. I think I think a little bit of pressure on Johnny this week. I think he'd be in whatever happens if they bring folks in. Johnny's definitely going to be there as a batsman only. I don't think no one's questioning that. It's just whether they maybe lose an opener and do another rejig to get folks in, but then someone else would have to open, of course. Okay. I, I wasn't sure if that was a question for Ian, but no doubt we can pick up on that in um in the next phase, um, because we are going now, moving swiftly into our second test preview. Second test starts Wednesday, uh, 28th on 11am start, live on Sky Sports. Lords of the venue, Betfair Exchange prices 2.2 Australia, 2.76 England, the draws at 5.5. Hawkins um, has one of his wonderful possible lineups for us. Yeah, very much open for discussion. I just wonder whether England are going to stick with exactly the same 11 because they don't want to cede psychological ground to Australia, but uh, interested to hear what the guys think. So Crawley, Duckett, Pope, Root, Brooks, Stokes, Bairstow, Moeen, Robinson, Broad, Anderson, uh, Moeen's fitness is permitting, but uh, England will name their team uh, probably even before this pod's out and just ruin it for everybody. Australia, Warner, Kawaja, Labashane, Smith, Head, Green, Kerry, Cummins, Bowden, Lyon, Hazelwood. In other words, I think they'll be unchanged. 
Okay, Ian Bell, uh, conscious, uh, as Hawkins says, that England do enjoy picking their team very early and making us look ridiculous. Uh, what is your view on the possible lineup and what it means for a result? Yeah, I, well, I think if Bowen's fit, he plays. I know Rehan Ahmed's been added to the squad, but I think that's that's an important one. Um, I think Wood will play. I, I don't know who for. Um, I don't think. Do we think Broad Anderson? Probably they're going to through five games. I just don't think they are. Uh, I think Wood has to. We have to get him in the series. I mean, he has a proper pace. Um, it just looked a bit samey, and if it's flat again, it's a bit samey again. Not that they're all fantastic. Broad Anderson, if they are two of the best we've ever had. And, and Robinson's re- uh, record speaks for itself, but I think we need something different. Without Stokes bowling a volume of overs at high pace, you know, I think we have to do that before the series is gone. If, if Australia were to win this, we haven't played Wood yet. I think that would be a mistake. So I think that comes into the factor. Um, but I do see if Moen's fit, they'll go again with the same. So that, that batting won't change. Um, it's just whether how you get Wood in and who for. Okay, um, Richard Mann, do you agree with that? Are you a Wood man? Um, England chasing tails with him because Lords is sort of surface, isn't it? You'd think he'd have to be a must for that. Yeah, I don't think it's ideal in playing at Lords ahead of either. It's probably going to be between Jimmy and, and Robinson, who you think are well suited to Lords and obviously fantastic records there. But they need, to, like Ian says, they need to get Wood into the series. He was a leading wicket taker for England in the last Ashes in Australia. They're not going to then go to Headingley and pick Wood and then have him play three back-to-backers because after that comes Old Trafford, it's quick. They're going to want Wood there. And then they finish off at the Oval that's played really quick this year. They're going to want him there. My best guess is he plays here, he misses Headingley, and then he plays the last two back-to-backs and they patch him up and hope he can get through those three. So he'll have to play this week for me. And it's between Jimmy and Rob. I mean, take your pick. I wouldn't like to make that call, but I suppose they're in a good position, aren't they? Because they're... They've probably got to get some fantastic bowlers into three, really. And Chris Wokes is another as well. He's in the squad. What a record he's got with bat on ball at Lords. I wonder if he might come under consideration. OK, Hawkins, can you give us a bit of a lowdown on the pitch, please? Yeah, sure. Well, in 15 first-class matches this summer, only three all-out scores of uh, more than 300 has been bowler-friendly. England's 5-2-5 versus Ireland earlier this summer, only third all-out score of... Um, uh, sorry, only the second score of 400 or more in the last 11 tests. There's been two draws in the last 12 tests. Uh, rain around uh, last four days. So um, I think it's a bowler uh, wicket on the data. OK, Ian, um, Lord's pitch question for you. Um, what was discussed about its nature when you were a player? You know, does it get better to bat on? And, and I mean, is... is is there sort of much in the way that these pitches are being prepared that makes you feel that, that it is different to how you know when you were when you were in this sort of in the hot feet? It's evolved a little bit. Obviously, I think for my time, there's obviously been two head groundsmen at Lords, so that's changed uh, in the last couple of years. Uh, in my early years, it always felt Lords got flatter. Uh, I remember playing a number of times. Certainly, South Africa, we made them follow on, and I think two, four of their batsmen got hundreds, and it came hard to get twenty wickets. Uh, I think these days it does deteriorate a little bit more. So we're seeing more results at Lords. So whether that's the, I, I don't know how the, the the grounds or the wickets have been prepared, whether they're slightly different. But certainly early days in my career, they just got flatter and flatter. Uh, now I don't think that's as uh, that's the similar characteristics that we get of a normal Lords pitch. Okay, um, Edward Hawkins, uh, how are we going to bet innings runs in play? Uh, yeah, tricky because the overcast, overcast conditions um, dictate everything, really. And pre-series, I thought, is a very much a new ball series, which was uh, going to be crucial for early wickets. And then we're looking to go overs on the par line. Um, 
And I'd stick to that for Lords. I think we'd be looking for early wickets and then we'd be expecting runs to come in. But just try and marry that with overhead conditions. Um, I think Ian would t- probably tell you that it generally swings for about the first hour and then it gets a lot easier. It's a bit suns out, get your guns out at Lords. Um, so hold fire and go overs, particularly um, Australia when you've got perhaps Warner and Kawaja nipped out earlier if it's zipping around. Uh, we'll be playing overs on the par line if that sun is beginning to peep through the clouds. Okay, Richard Mann, how would he be betting based on pitch data? Yeah, well, I'm just with my eyes out. Sort of days three and four, I still think a pretty good good time to bat our lords. I mean, we saw it in the Island Test, didn't we? They were bundled out for under 200 on the first day and then they made 362 for nine. And McCullum was obviously retired hurt. Um, I think that was on day three, so it was a pretty good pitch then. Um, so, sort of, Second and third innings, if you like, I think it's an overs place if the overheads um, dictate. So obviously, if it's cloudy, it's, it's a different ball game, and we're somewhere out from the from the game time at the moment. Um, but that first morning, if the overheads are there, they generally leave plenty of grass on. They did for the Island Test, um, and it can be a really tough time to bat. I mean, I wouldn't fancy facing Hazelwood at Cummins um, early doors on Wednesday morning. Put it that way. Okay, uh, quick fire round for you, Ian and Richard. Um, first up, Ian, who wins this game? Good question. And you guys have just talked about it, the overhead conditions. So I think both captains, both teams won't even make a, a decision on the toss until they walk out, I think, at that time. If it's, if it's overcast and it looks potential bowling conditions, I think they could go with that. I think England could definitely go with that in terms of looking to chase something down. That's what they've done recent time. So I think that that they won't they won't even talk about what they're going to do. I think England have the ability. There's no doubt the talent, uh, the aggression. They're going to go for it. Um, but you just I've been so impressed though. Though the more I thought about it at the end of Australia and the tactics they've used, I think they've got they've nearly. You know, we talk about basketball, and I spoke to a couple of other teams and other people have been involved in other teams. Until you play against them, you don't quite know what that feels like. So I, I look back and I thought, well, Australia were a little bit tentative. They had sweepers out. But I think they've got a feel for it now. I think they know what that feels like. So I, I think if they get the right conditions to bowl in, they'll be aggressive. They'll bring the field up. I think if it's flat, I think they will spread the field again. So I think Australia have managed situations well. So I, I, I'm worried that it will be Australia. Um, I'm, but I know that England have the power and the talent to win the Test match. But I'm, I'm, I'm worried the way Australia have gone about their business and the confidence they will have in the camp at the moment. So probably leaning towards Australia at the moment, which I, I, I said it, it, a week ago or a few days ago, I thought England would bounce back, but it's really in the balance now for me. Ian Bell is a traitor. It's official. <laughs> um, Richard Mann, same question to you. I think the nature of, of what we expect from this series and what the first test delivered suggests that England could definitely come back here. At least whoever gets the worst of conditions to bat in obviously going to be up against it. I think both sides actually would be happy to chase as well. In fact, come in some really interesting um, comments post-world final against India. It's the old Australian way, you bat first, whatever. But he said, actually, now, if you think you can get 10 wickets on that first morning and it might be easier than getting 10 wickets on day four and five, um, not so much in India, but everywhere else, then just have a go. He says the stigma around bowling first is definitely gone. So I think both sides will be happy enough bowling first. Um, conditions will, will be crucial. Richard, man, get off the fence. Who's going to win? Uh, I'm going to go England. <laughs> OK, thank you very much. Um, Edward Hawkins will be giving his uh, his view on this on betting.betfair. On what morning, Hawkins? Is it Tuesday morning? Sure is, yeah, Tuesday morning. 
Okay, um, but I'm going to come to you now to ask you about in-play options on the match odds instead. Yeah, I'm just waiting to lay the draw, really. I mean, it's kind of an old-fashioned match odds market going back, you know, 10, 15 years for the draw price at the moment this summer. We saw it in the World Test Championship final, saw it in that first test as well. Uh, first innings uh, for either team, actually, absolutely key to be getting against the draw. Was tending to see the draw short and right, right up with runs because... Punters are thinking this is a flat wicket and these teams can bat all day. Uh, we're absolutely desperate to be laying the draw 3.5. Uh, we may even be able to do that just purely bat off the back of the weather forecast and people are just waking up to what the weather forecast could well be. Um, and I reckon we might see a point lopped off those match odds before um, the draw price. That's what I'm saying. A point lopped off that draw price before we have the toss at Lord's. Uh, and if there's overcast conditions and if there's rain around, that for me doesn't mean we're losing too many overs. It means we've got nip and zip and difficult batting conditions, and that makes the draw even less likely. So we're laying the draw 3.5, I think, first things. Check out betting.betfair, all the in-play stuff. I bet you we lay the draw. Nip and zip, lovely stuff. Um, Richard Mann, coming to you, trade strategies and in-plays, please, quickly. I'm just really keen on middle order for both teams. I think Kawaja very much booked a trend last week, actually, at openers in Test cricket in England. Over the last few years, have really struggled. Now, I know England's middle order is just stronger than its top three anyway. Um, but you look at the sides who visited last year, India for the one-off test. It wasn't the top four who did the runs. It was Pant and Jadeja who made hundreds. You look at England's main run scorers, Rue, Best of Folks made 100 against South Africa. Stokes, of course, Harry Brook now in the side. Uh, and then the Kiwis came over here. Lords, both, both teams bowled out cheaply in the first inning. It was De Grondam at number seven who top scored for the Kiwis in the first innings. And then in second innings, Century from Daryl Mitchell from number six, 96 from Tom Blundell. I don't think you'll ever forget that one. Um, but it was a middle order we were doing all the run scoring. And I think that's the way in England anyway, but particularly at Lords and particularly on that first morning, if there's grass on the pitch, I'd almost wait for the toss actually and then then make your move. England getting say they right, I'm gonna have a go on best or Stokes is around eight to one. Um I mean, look, yeah, I definitely think it's tough work. Kawhi there's the anomaly really book the trend, but I think generally speaking, you want to be with a middle order at Lords. Okay, lovely stuff. Thanks, Richard. Um, just a reminder also that Ian Bell's exclusive views on this Ashes series are available on betting.betfair. You can read all his columns there. Now we're going to come to Ian for some talk about technique. Ian, you called an issue with Marlis Labashane last week. Um, he's gone back to the Nets this week to work on something technical. As a batting coach, can you make a sizable difference to a technical issue in such a short space of time between high-profile tests? Well, I think when you're talking world-class players, they'll make small adjustments, which can make massive gains. Uh, I think that what we saw with him there, we played, he played a lot of balls in the channel, which again, in England, if you can leave well, make bowlers bowl a bit straighter, then you can, and especially when you get to Lords, if you're batting, you know, from bowlers from the pavilion end, you have to play, you have to leave well, you have to know you're off stump. So it did look like for a guy who's played a fair bit, like I said, for Glamorgan, in there, just didn't quite know where his off stump was. But again, when you're seeing guys who average 60 in Test Match Cricket, Subtle changes can make a big difference. And I, I don't expect Smith and Labashain to miss out too much in this series. So, you know, if they can get that right and that rhythm, um, you expect, you'd expect runs. That's what he's done through his uh, relatively short test career, but he's been very, very successful. OK, you touched um, there on the slope at Lords. Are there any batters that you expect on either side to maybe struggle in these conditions or in, in the unique Lords? Um, 
I don't know about struggle, but I look at some of the bowlers. I think, you know, Hazelwood, Cummins, the taller guys bowling a line, Robinson, you know, the guys from the pavilion. And if you can bowl a nice line around that fourth stump with the occasional one running down and one holding up, they're the guys who have success at Lords. Um, so I look at the Australian thing. Actually, they they could have they could be a handful of bowlers if they get the right conditions. Uh, and as a batsman, again, you know, you can be when someone knows what they're doing with the slope, it could be really hard work. But if someone gets it wrong, you can score really freely um, all around the ground uh, at a good pace. So I think there's no doubt the uh, as has already been said, the, the top order, Duckett, Crawley, are going to be challenged. I think if, if Australia start well and it moves around because they're attacking players, they want to go after it. They'll be challenged in defence, but it's all about the bowling. If you get it wrong, you'll go around the park very quickly. But if you get it right, you can cause problems for any batter in the world. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Richard Mann, any technical points you'd like to raise? Yeah, I think selection's key for Australia because Lords has always suited line bowlers. And if Cummings and Hazelwood have got a terrific record at Lords, it was brilliant in 2019 here. If they play open the bowling, I think Crawley and Duckett will both look show outside of, unsure outside of stump. They're in big trouble. But if, if Australia brings Stark in, you would think he would have to open the bowler. Bowling, he's more of a natural swing bowler. Cummings might even bowl first change like he did in 2019. But that might actually help England. It'll give them the opportunity to score. Zach in particular, I think he'd prefer that swinging into his pads. Very, very dominant leg side player. Um, so Australia have got to get selection right. I suspect they'll probably have to try and keep uh, Stark on the bench for this one. Okay, um, Hawkins, uh, coming to you for key data for batters to follow in just two seconds. But first, Richard Mann, I would love you to give us your 200 to 1 shot for the Cricket Only Better 200th episode, please. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint, but it's actually 280 to 1. So I'll kick off with Pat Cummins, 7 to 1, player of the series. I'll, I'll offer more on that later. So you're going to win the T20 blast there, 4 to 1. And then in the 100, uh, outright, a Surrey theme again, I'm afraid, but Oval Invincible, 6 to 1. They're going to win the 100, 280 to 1 trouble for you there. Okay, thanks very much. Hawkins, uh, some batter data, please. Uh, yeah, win rates. Brook, 4 out of 7, 15 to 2, Betfair Sportsbook value. Pope, 4 out of 15, he's 100 to 30. Just reiterating the value is not with Root. Uh, he's 5 to 2, Betfair Sportsbook, still two wins in 13. The better way to get with him is a boosted 5 to 1 for a first innings ton. Two year record suggests he should be 100 to 30. Moving on to the Australians, well, Kawaja has nine wins from 18. Spoke about him last week. We are worried about that lack of book movement. He is three to one. His value on win rate. Smith uh, is not value. One win in 21. He's going off 11 to four with Betfair Sportsbook. Six to five for the first innings. 50 is value. And four to one first innings ton is marginal. Uh, very worried about uh, David Warner, as Richard mentioned. Look out for that where his bat leg goes. If it's going two leg, that suggests he's not aligned and all hunky-dory, so it might be a short in play. Okay, I'm coming straight to you, Ian. Two quick questions. One, do you back Steve Smith to return to form? Second, are you convinced by Harry Brook at this level? Relatively short study sample, but obviously done very well to this point. Well, first one, Steve Smith, world-class, average, as good as it gets, probably arguably the best test player we've had for a long time. Yeah, so that's that's not in doubt. You know, I'd, ne- I'd never doubt Steve Smith. Um, you know, his Ashes record again is absolutely phenomenal. Harry Brook, no doubt. Again, I, I honestly generally believe uh, ability wise. I know. I'm trying to think of my own experience. I think when you play your first Ashes series, it does take a bit of adjustment. The whole hype, everything you do off the field, on the field. Um, he's just trying to get. I think the balance of attack and defend at the moment. 
obviously ultra attack, which is part of the mantra, but I think he'll get there. And I think he's going to be our, you know, when Ruti has finished, he's going to be our leading top batsman. So yes, for both of them in a way, but I expect Steve Smith to, to come back roaring as I do expect Labashain in this test match as well. Okay, brilliant. Uh, Richard, um, quick one on this. Uh, who are you for and against batsman-wise on this? Uh, Head and Warner's runs can be sold with Betfair Sportsbook in the first dig at 30.5 and 23.5 and at 5-6 to six for the pair. Uh, well, Warner particularly if they, if they bat first on when if, if Australia bat first on Wednesday, but I'm all about the middle order. Carey 12-1, to 17-1, uh, to one, I thought he looked in really good touch at Adrian Baston. Cameron Green 12-1, to one, so they're 6-7 and seven in the batting order. I'm really impressed with Cameron Green in Birmingham, his first taste of cricket in England, test cricket in England. And what I've liked about him, he just seems like a really fast learner. Slow start in the IPL and then he exploded. Then you think in the test series in India preceding that, again, slow start, a few doubts about could he could he play world-class spin in those conditions. Then he banged out 100, didn't he? He just looks like the sort of player, one quick learn and away he's gone. And I think we'll see, see him develop and develop through this series. And then for England, I thought Stokes, really good tempo to his batting in Birmingham. That was the Stokes we love, I thought, in the second innings. He's 40-odd. It wasn't Kamikaze, but he still scored at a good clip. Nice strike rate. I think I think the big series, his tempo will be spot on. So I'll go for him and then just keep an eye out if Chris Wokes is going to play. He's got a real habit of top scoring for England, particularly if they lose early wickets, which could be possible here. He's 40-1 to one top a top one scorer for England in the first innings. He did it, don't forget, in the last Ashes series down under in that pink ball test. Really good player. Averages 50 with a bat here, 100 against India here, and he's not 40 to one shot if he plays. Okay, uh, Hawkins, coming to you quickly um, to nip through the bowler data for both teams, please. Easy. Robinson, three returns from eight, 13 to five with Betfair Sportsbook. And Cummins, seven returns from 17. He's five to two from six to four. Easy peasy. Okay, Ian, I want quickly from you one bowler you'd hate to face from that lot, uh, specifically Lords, one from each team, please. Who would I not? I think Hazelwood from the pavilion end. I think, again, facing Glenn McGrath. I think, obviously, Cummins is world-class, there's no doubt, but I think Hazelwood is very similar to what Glenn McGrath used to do, tour, uh, bangs away, and probably Ollie Robinson the same. I think, actually, I enjoyed personally being an offside player, bowling, any bowlers bowling from the nursery end, coming down the slope, that's into my will up, cut, drive, for anyone who can just stand the ball up from the pavilion end, and I think Robinson and Hazel would be the two. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Richard Mann, your bowler thoughts quickly? I'll just concentrate on Australia. All about selection for me. If Stark plays, I probably wouldn't have a bet because Cummings and Hazelwood may well out bowling, but as we know from Mitchell Stark, he's very good at picking up three for 80, knocking over the tail, and well, you can feel hard done by if you're Hazelwood or Cummings backer. But if he doesn't play... I think Cummings is exceptional anyway, but he's the real enforcer at the tail. He's the one with a better bounce, so he's a bit quicker. I think he'd bag a few cheap ones. I think Cummings unload if Stark isn't playing. If not, it'll be a leave alone from me. Okay, thanks very much. Uh, Hawkins, I'm coming to you for your view on the Cricket Only Better Special Edition 200 to 1 wager, please. Yeah, one pound returns 377 quid. First innings tons for Root and Smith at four, at fives and fours respectively, and your top bowlers Cummins and Robinson, five to two and 13 to five with Betfair Sportsbook. We'll try and get these on live on the site for you as well. Lovely stuff. Players to follow, done. Now it's the business end. A final word from Ian Bell still to come, but it's the five-point challenge and the best bets now. So I'm going to hand over to my friend Edward Hawkins. A new five-point challenger this week, Joshua James, 
out of the way, Tad Unlucky was uh, on with that narrow Australia win. This week we've got an Australian. It's Dan Kelly all the way from Melbourne. Remember, five units to spend. If you win, you come back and you stay on. Eddie Rivers, your clubhouse leader with four returned weeks. If you want to play, get in touch at Cricket Betting on Twitter. He's very confident. Dan has gone for Australia win, two units. Duck it under 25.5 first of these runs, five to six Betfair sports, but two units. Pat Cummins, top Australia first of these wicket taker, one unit at five to two. That's a returning bet uh, throughout this episode. Suggests it's probably our strongest option. Uh, Richard Mann, get your five points ready. I've got Paul's ready as well. Uh, so let's go to you first, Richard. Well, I've no patriotism like that, I'm afraid, but I'm going to kick off uh, one and a half units. Pat Cummins, player of the series, brilliant start at H. Baston. Australia looking good already in the series. I think Cummins will go very close for that. And then um, one point, uh, Ben Stokes, top England first in his batsman, with half a point, Chris Wokes. Top England first in his batsman. Don't forget, stakes returned if works doesn't line up. Uh, that leaves me with two units to go. I'm going to have a unit on Cameron Green, top first in his Australia batsman. And then one unit in the specials markets um, left to go on Cameron Green and Alex Carey, both to score 25 runs or more each in the first innings. That's 11 to 4 with Sportsbook. And that's me done. I'll go back to Paul's five units for you. His best bet, one point double broad Cummins. Top bowlers in first innings with Sportsbook. Under 250 runs in first innings. He's reckoned that overcast conditions. He's got two points on that one. And half a point on Carey, Cummins, a Brook Sentry and Boland Mallow match. Those are prices at 17s, 40s, 8s and 14s respectively. It's 210 to 1 shot for the Cobb. 200th special edition. Trent Rockets to win the 100 at 9 to 2. Cummins 5 to 2 top. Australia first innings bowler. There's that price again. South Africa to win the World Cup. We'll get him to explain that one next time. Lovely stuff. Thank you, everybody. Great show. Memorable show. Um, I'm giving the final word of Cricket Only Better, episode 200, to Ian Bell for a beautifully non-specific um, final word where you can you can basically give us anything you want. A life hack could be something that happens at Lords, a way to ensure success at Lords. Anything you, you like, Ian. Go for it. Oh, thanks. Sir. It's an honour to do that. Um, what Lords? Well, to be fair, it's the it's the best place, isn't it? As a player in particular, to play, you know, walking down the steps, through the long room, out there, there's nothing better. Best lunches in the circuit as well. The famous. I know whatever happens on the field doesn't matter. Everyone's going to be filling their face with lunch. It is the best place, and every player just want to get on the honours board for an Ashes game. So, hopefully, England will be back. Uh, but just the best place to play cricket. That's all I can say. The best. Brilliant. I interviewed Ainsley Harriet once. He was a chef at Lord's for a while. That was good. Um, anyway, cricket only better. 200. Done. In the can. That was Ian Bell. Um, he was with Edward Hawkins. He was with Richard Mann as well. Thank you to all of the above. Um, check out Edward Hawkins at betting.betfair and on the Betfair Exchange all through the second test. We will see you next week and let's hope for an England win.